62% of businesses in Uganda are run by women. From over 1,200 cities and 130 countries, we bring you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am with Adong. Below, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial News, and you can find me at with Adong. Over 62% of businesses in Uganda are either run or operated by women, and yet these businesses are plagued by a very high mortality rate. Executive Director of the Private Sector Foundation Uganda, Stephen Nisimwe, elaborates on the pitfalls that have led to the high mortality rate. The, in the last 15 or 20 years, the place of the women in business has grown exponentially. Uh, women form the bulk, the business people in this country. Over 62% businesses in Uganda are run and owned by women. That's the good news. The tough news is that most of them fall in the SME brackets. Now, it's not bad to be in an SME bracket, but we want that bracket to grow. So from a, a startup to a micro, to a small, to a medium, to a large uh, company, the growth factor has only been in numbers. Uh, it has just been uh, quantitative. But in terms of quantitative growth, it has remained slow, in some places stagnated, but also there's been a very high mortality rate businesses. And this has largely been driven by the fact that uh, many women do not have access to finance. If they do, the cost of finance has been a challenge. So PSFU understood that problem and has tried in many ways than one to ensure that through our policy and advocacy mandates, we create an enabling environment for women not just to survive, but to thrive in their business. Uh, and so we have proactively and strategically gone into that space to ensure that we create as many policies and as many enabling instruments that can support this process to be able to exist. The second thing we have tried to do in the scope of work is the support in the business development service area. Uh, it's one thing to start a business. It's another thing to grow the business so that it can bring a profit. We know that many women over and above doing the business, they are the ones who run homes. So their income many times suffers from the lack of business skills and capacities. So at the PSFU, we are at the forefront and ensuring that uh, many women owned or women run or the majority of women in the business scope have access to both business development services, but also the requisite skills to ensure that the business can move away from survival mode to thriving mode. The third thing we do is, the third and fourth course, is the fact that over and above the capacity and skills and the business development, what we give, we try to link the women to sustainable, responsible, and efficient partnerships. And to that effect, we come again to say that uh, we've been working with the UN women in ensuring that we uh, create the space and the enablers within the SDG framework, make that happen. And because of that, come up with very strategic programs that will enhance that mission statement. And so we've gone ahead to partner with institutions like the World Bank. Uh, and in the World Bank, I'm happy to announce that uh, a project called GROW, GROW is an acronym for Generating Opportunities for Women, has given us a $216 million intervention. Uh, the bulk of it will be run by the Ministry of Gender, but the private sector component that speaks into what I've just said earlier is in the range of $90 million for the next five years. This was launched, you remember? Yes. 
in your presence at the Women's Day in southwestern Uganda. And we've already started sensitization of that program. We are going to reach out to all the districts of Uganda. And within that scope, uh, the business development, access to finance, uh, business management, but also some little capital that will push the women from that little scope of startup, micro, micro, small, small to medium, then medium to large uh, enterprise uh, support. And a quick trip around Africa, Senegal's annual inflation rate continued its downward trend, reaching a 0.8% in December 2023, the lowest since April 2021, down slightly from 0.9% in the prior month. The decrease can be attributed to a further decline in prices of food and non-alcoholic beverages. At the same time, prices moderated for some CPI items, including miscellaneous goods and services, recreation and culture, transportation and alcoholic beverages, and tobacco. On a monthly basis, consumer prices dropped by 1.2% in December, the same pace as in the previous month. Airline profits are projected to stabilize in 2024 despite net profitability remaining well below the cost of capital. This is according to the International Air Transport Association, IATA. Industry players predict that the global aviation sector will make $25.7 billion in profit in 2024 as international travel finally surpasses pre-pandemic levels. The Trade Association for the World Airlines says the world profit, the high profit margins, will be supported by some 4.7 billion people who are expected to travel during the year. According to leisure travel, demand is softening and revenge travel is ending. This, it says, will see supply and demand in the commercial airline industry hit an equilibrium, which will help stabilize airfares in 2024. According to IATA's Director General Willie Walsh, cargo volumes are expected to hit 61 million tons in 2024 from 58 million tons in 2023. IATA's Director of Policy and Economics, Andrew Martis, said industry passenger load factor is nearing its 2019 level, which is supporting the financial recovery of airlines. According to, according to the association's data, airline operating profit will rise from $40.7 billion in 2023 to $49.3 billion billion dollars in 2024. According to Walsh, these projections reflect the industry's resilience and the popularity of air travel. The size of Africa's shared mobility market, which includes services such as ride-hailing, scooters or e-bike rentals, as well as car-sharing, will almost double by 2030, creating an additional 550,000 income-earning opportunities. This is according to a new report from Global Management Consultancy, Oliver Wyman, supported by data made available from global mobility operator Bolt. The report entitled Shared Mobility Global Impact highlights the current and potential global economic, social and environmental impact of the evolving shared mobility sector. That impact is said to be particularly strong in Africa, where growth will be driven by rapid urbanization and a rising middle class. Africa is said to be home to five of the world's 41 megacities, cities with populations in excess of 10 million people by 2030. The new study highlights the mobility sector's growing impact on African city economies. Currently worth $4.2 billion, the sector is said to be valued at $7.8 billion by 2030. The growth should help drive important income opportunities. Global methane emissions could be cut by tens of thousands of tons within a single year if oil and gas producers target the world's top methane-emitting oil and gas fields. A recent study conducted by Reistad Energy, employing satellite detection and field-level data analysis on upstream oil and gas methane emissions, 
has unveiled that more than 100 individual oil and gas fields, primarily located in the Middle East, Africa and Asia, contributed less than 1% of global production while emitting significant amounts of methane, nearly 100 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent in 2022. Methane emissions from the energy sector have moved high up on the agenda among governments, operators and other stakeholders, such as investors, in the past couple of months. Methane is considered the second biggest contributor to climate change, and since the gas is a potential air pollutant with high global warming potential, it has to be tackled in the short term to help prevent the much-discussed climate tipping points. Recent developments in the measurement technology, such as satellite imagery, reveal that methane emissions probably are substantially higher than earlier anticipated. In addition to being a climate threat, venting and leakages of methane are also a waste of valuable resources that in most cases can be avoided. As a result, measures to limit methane emissions are gaining increasing attention across the industry. Methane emissions were high on the agenda during the recent COP28 climate conference, and several promising announcements have been made by the energy industry, such as the Oil and Gas Decarbonization Charter, an agreement signed by 50 operators, which together account for around 40% of global oil production to reach near-zero methane emissions by 2030. Several companies have also joined the Oil and Gas Methane Partnership, while the Global Methane Pledge has welcomed new countries and secured new funding. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit the website. That's thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms of the K Financial. And you can find me at the Fedon.